the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. It seems like, I don't know, this week seemed kind of long for some reason. I guess the uh, elections got me worn out. Yeah, but looks like things are getting a little bit back to normal anyway. And there's been a lot of good news coming out on a multiple fronts, uh, not related to politics, thank goodness. And uh Oh, I just can't wait until things are at least somewhat semi-normal, whatever that's going to be in the future. <laughs> uh, so anyway, if you know, if you hear something, by the way, that you would like more information on when you're listening to this program, you can always go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. Uh, you can go to uh, 955thefish.com where this is stored on as a podcast. And you could also even just email me, Bill at BullingtonCapital.com. So I've gotten a lot of uh, questions. Um, we're all constantly getting questions. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I'm not sure why people have an idea that things are going to change, like, drastically. The change is pretty constant in the world. Drastic change is not. But you can put a little bit of change in over a five or a 10 year time period. And, you know, if something's changing by 10 or 15% a year, which is not a lot of change over a five year time period, you've got a hundred percent change. Yeah. If, if it's at 15% a year at 10%, somewhere around seven years, things are a hundred percent different. And I think I, I understand a lot more now why the older people have a tough time Keeping up with this stuff because they've gone through several cycles of that. And by the time they get to that age, they're pretty tired. In fact, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> I'm not that old. At least I don't think I am. But the, uh, anyway, change is inevitable. And some of the changes that are coming about because of everything that's happened over the past, oh, since this pandemic started. Let's just focus on that first. Changes since the pandemic. You've got companies around the world rushing to try to create a vaccine. And they're gonna once they're done with the final testing, and they're pretty close, by the way. I've got a couple articles I brought with me today from um, Bloomberg Business Week, which used to be just Business Week. And it talks a lot about that. And a lot of the things that we've been talking about over the past, you know, since we you know, since the pandemic started back in March. 
these things are now starting to come to fruition. They're, they're starting to actually happen. And that's actually going to be really good for the economy worldwide. And it's going to be extremely good psychologically for an awful lot of people because there's a tremendous amount of worry that's out there in across not just America, but it's all over the world. And people have a tendency not to quite spend as much money when they may be afraid of losing their job or they've already lost a job. Um, we've been feeling, feeling the full impact of the brunt of, of that happening, and that's all going to change. It's all going to change. It's going to get significantly better, and it doesn't have anything to do with politics. It has all to do, most of it's just science, and science has been, science and technology, which are, you know, attached at the hip, that's what's been driving economic growth and providing us with the lifestyles that we have since the beginning of time. So that hasn't changed at all. In fact, a lot of people would argue that change is happening faster and faster, and I'd have to agree, uh, especially as closely as I've been watching this over the past 30 years or so, since I've gotten active in this business. And it's, it's, it's really a good thing. Now, there are challenges, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in today's show, but challenges to investing are, uh, boy, they're, they're so different depending on who you're talking to. And I know every time I say something about a particular strategy or a particular idea, um, I just want you to know that I'm not recommending this for the general public as a, as a whole because the vast majority of people have different goals, different time horizons. You got to be very aware of that. When you're trying to put together an investment plan for yourself, it's not that easy to do, especially if you're married, because most married couples don't spend in a tremendous amount of time talking about how they're going to invest. And by the way, the two most important things you can do as a uh, financial planner, your, being your own financial planner, is Learn how to live beneath your means. Notice I didn't say within your means. I said you got to learn to live beneath your means because you got to put away a substantial amount of money when, to, to be able to retire one day. The next most important thing is you need, to le- you need to learn to be an investor who's better than average. Now, when I say investor who's better than average, that's not that easy to do, incidentally. Being better than average is not that easy until you look at the averages that are are being achieved by the vast majority of people. There's a company called Dalbar that, that their basic livelihood just tracks investor behavior. And a lot of the investor behavior that's causing those averages to be so low is correctable. You can correct the behaviors that's causing those returns, or at least has caused those returns to be so low in the past. But you really need to ask yourself, and this is not easy. This is not an easy thing to do. What kind of risk taker are you? How much risk are you really willing to accept? What kinds of returns could you get taking that kind of risk on a realistic basis? And all these questions are incredibly difficult, but I'm going to try to make it a little easier for you. And we always have this conversation with people, uh, particularly when they come in and they they want to invest, they've saved some money, they want to know, do I have enough? How much should I be saving? Um, you know, my answer is going to be 
fairly similar on the depending on what their tolerance for risk is. And and here's the question. So I'm not going to keep you in suspense. Imagine your portfolio, you're looking at your portfolio value, what all your savings are worth. Now, start cutting off percentages of that. Where do you get super uncomfortable? Now, let me tell you something. You cannot have high returns without higher level of ri- higher levels of risk. There are some things you can do today to get a decent return and get guarantees on that return. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. But those returns are not the 10% returns you see in the stock market from 1926 that get get published by all these major publications out in the world. The returns being somewhere around 10% or so. What they forget to tell you about that is over that time period, the stock market's been down 85% at one point in time. 85%. Stock market's been down 50% multiple times during that time period. And if one of those time periods happen to crop up during your retirement years, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a really nasty effect on your lifestyle. So you need to know that. Knowing the averages is not nearly enough. That is not nearly enough. You have to know how those averages were achieved. What kind of risk did you have to take to get those returns? And once, you, once you've got a, a fairly decent idea, and I'm telling you, my methodology is a lot better than the methodologies that I see out there, the ones that are put out by Morningstar, Vanguard, Fidelity. I like mine better. Why? Because I've had to deal with the general public for the past 30 years on a one-on-one basis. They have not. <laughs> those guys are up in the, those ivory towers looking down on the rest of us. They don't know what, they have no idea what it's like down here. <laughs> I am in the trenches, and that's why it's, uh, it's important. So here, I'm not going to keep you in any suspense anymore. This is what you do. Look at your savings that you plan to use to supplement your income in retirement. Start subtracting. Take half off of it. If you are down by 50%, are you losing sleep at night? I'm going to tell you nine, 19 out of 20 people will be losing sleep over that, so don't feel bad. But if you're the one of those 5% that says, nah, I think I could take that because I really want to make maximum returns. Okay. You could put your money 100% in a diversified stock fund portfolio, uh, and you're probably going to get better returns than an awful lot of other people. But you have to understand you may be down 50% or more at some point in time. Now, if you don't have to touch that money, Great. If you're expecting to take income from that money, not so good. That would be actually pretty poor. You really wouldn't want to do that. So why? Because if you were down 50%, let's say you were only taking out, let's say we're taking out the uh, recommended amount from BlackRock, one of the world's largest asset managers. 4.5% is their recommendation. Let's say you had a million dollars just to keep the math easy. I know most people don't have a million dollars. If you're taking out 4.5%, that's 45000 You got 100% in stock. Market has another experience like 2000 through 2003, where it finally bottomed out over 50% below where it peaked three years earlier. And you've been taking out 45000 You've taken out 135000 bucks, and it's 50% lower than it was. You know what you're doing? You're looking for work in your retirement years. 
That's called the, um, I forgot what that's called. (laughs) There's a risk term that's very popular today for that. Uh, And it's basically how the events play out. Okay. And see, uh, my mind is just going today. Please. I got to get better sleep. Anyway, sequence of returns. That's what they're talking about. So if you look at where the stock market is today versus where it was in March of 2000, it looks pretty good. Unless you actually retired in March of 2000. In which case, you've probably been working for the past 10 years because you lost so much money because you had all your money in stocks because stocks had the highest overall returns in the long run. That Those overall returns, that, that fluctuation, that has a huge impact on your portfolio, particularly when you're spending money. When you're in that spend-down phase of retirement, you, you and what's the answer? Well, there are a couple of answers. The first answer is don't put all of your money in stocks. That's the first answer. You need some of the money in something safer than stocks. Okay. You are going to need stocks for growth because inflation doesn't retire when you do. Inflation just keeps on going. You got to have some money to be able to keep up with inflation. So you're going to put some of your money and that's going to depend, again, on, on your own personal risk tolerance. There's no one-size-fits-all here. There's no magic pill. I, I'm, a, I'm sorry to have to be the one to inform you of that. I get an opportunity at least once or twice a, a week to make financial planning history because somebody thinks that if they just ask or plead that I'll be able to give them an 8 or 10% average annual return with no risk, tax-free, and no cost. Yeah, if I could do that, I wouldn't be working. <laughs> I wouldn't need to work. I'd be done. The uh, It doesn't exist. So that, that, that's part of what my show is about. It's kind of like, it's, it's called Look Out for the Bull. I'm sorry, that was the old show. That's the website. It's called the Bullington Capital Report. We're talking about capital, realistic capital. Look out for the bull is because I didn't. I was so tired of people trying to sell all this stuff. The one stock portfolio? Are you kidding me? You're gonna put one stock? You're gonna put all your money on one company? You obviously just haven't been around long enough, or just haven't got burned yet, you know, to learn not to do that. So, anyway, trying to get realistic expectations. That's that's really what I try to achieve here every week. And those expectations are going to change over time. One of the expectations that I'm going to tell you right now is an awful lot of people are out there hanging on, hoping beyond hope that they're going to get a 5 or 6% CD again. I can't imagine that happening anytime soon. I'm not sure that I'm young enough to see that again in my lifetime. I'm in my mid-50s. I may not live and listen to what I'm saying. I may not live long enough to be able to see that a five or a six percent CD in my lifetime. I hope I'm wrong because there are an awful lot of people out there that are waiting for that. I just don't think it's going to happen. I only have about 60 seconds before I have to take a commercial break. So I'm going to tell you that if you want more information on any of this or you want to talk to me about your situation, Feel free to go to my website, and I promise I won't take the tone of voice I do here because I'm a little animated on the radio show. <laughs> but I'd be glad to, to speak with you. And you can go to BullingtonCapital.com. Just, just Google it, and um, 
you can also listen to the show again if you if you'd like to. I'm not sure why anybody would, but the uh, <laughs> it is out there as a podcast. Nine five five thefish dot com. It's also uh, on my website there too. You can pick it up there. I hear the music. That means I got to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. Welcome to the planet. Welcome to existence. Everyone's here. That is one of my favorite songs, favorite new songs. If I get a chance, try to listen to that. I forgot what the name of it is even. Oh, yeah, it's from a group called Kane, and the song is Rise Up. So you can actually search that on the uh, Internet if you want to. might even bring you to 955 The Fish's uh, website. For, you can listen to it online. It's pretty cool. Nice song. So anyway, we were talking about all kinds of stuff, which is kind of what I do. <laughs> my my mind is always moved in a lot of directions at the same time. Not sure why. Probably because I started playing football when I was nine. And back then, we used to lead with our heads. <laughs> that was how you played. <laughs> in fact, it was hilarious. There was this kid who didn't have weight limits in the uh, first peewee football league that I played in. There was no weight limit. So there's this kid, one kid that grew early, like some guys do. He looked like Haas from Haas Cartwright. And the uh, dude was huge. And he lined up next to me, and he would do this technique called the head slap, <laughs> which was a totally, totally legal move. You would open your hand, and you would just slap the side of their helmet as hard as you possibly could. And, and yeah, there was a hole in the helmet, and what it would do is it would capture the air and all that air pressure on the ear. That's called getting your bell rung. <laughs> we had a name for everything. Anyway, he would slap these kids so hard. This, this kid, he was 12 years old. He was about 5'9". He weighed about uh, I don't know, probably 180 pounds at 5'9", at 12. <laughs> and he would get these kids so hard, they would go flying. And I would yell over to him and say, hey, Hoss, hit him my way. <laughs> because he would knock the guy into the guy in front of me, and I would bolt through <laughs> and try to make the tackle. But uh, anyway, not sure how I got on that. Oh, I, no, I, I do know. So everybody that we used to hit each other in the head all the time. They used to lead with the head. And, uh, you know, that's just how football was played. I, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm actually sure. I, I'm not sure I get that implication. <laughs> oh, okay. Monday Night Football. I've been hitting the head too many times. <laughs> actually, you know what? When you play uh, football as much as I did, I don't watch it anymore. Uh, why? I just go to YouTube and watch the highlights. <laughs> Boy, it's a lot easier. You see all the great plays. It takes about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's cool. The uh, life is so much better now. 
So anyway, um, I'm kind of getting back to a lot of the stuff that we were talking about during the first part of the show. And, and before we before I finish this show, I am going to come back and talk about the guaranteed products that are out there. You know, there's been a, a huge change. Uh, it's come about over the past couple of years, uh, and it's it, it's a, a derivative of some older products that have been greatly improved. There, and I've been talking about them a lot. I've actually been kind of calling out one particular company in particular because I like the company a lot nationwide, but fixed indexed, uh, fixed indexed. That's a big deal. Uh, it's not the same as an indexed annuity. It's actually annuities are like models of cars. Uh, in fact, there are probably more types of annuities than there are models of cars since they began making cars. Think about that for a second. There are more annuities existing today then there are models of cars since they began manufacturing cars. That puts that the, the various models of cars. I'm just going to guess it's probably around somewhere around fifty or sixty thousand models over the uh, past hundred years or so. The uh, and there were uh, more than sixty-seven thousand annuities in one of the databases I have, <laughs> and they're all slightly different. Drives me nuts, actually, but the. Uh, the bottom line is they do a lot of different things, and if you're at a certain stage of life where that sequence of events thing that I started talking about at the beginning of the radio show, when you're coming to retirement age and you're starting to think about, uh, I need ready, steady income, and I don't want to have to cut my income back because the stock market goes down, that's what that's there for. It's to try to help people out that are in that particular situation. Now, if you're young... Um, I'm going to tell you, hey, don't do that. You know, there are other things that, that you probably should be doing. Uh, investing in diversified stock funds, trying to get tax deferral or, or uh, uh, tax-free. That would be great. Those are called Roth IRAs. Yeah, there's a lot of different things, but it depends on the age and the time period in your life, the financial situation you find yourself in now. So I just really want to kind of start emphasizing this. A lot of people will hear me say something and go, well, how come I'm not doing that? Well, because it's not intended for you. The uh, If you're in your mid-60s, you should be investing differently than somebody who's in their 40s. Somebody who's in their 40s, it's got a good 25, 30 years. By the way, if they, you know, if those TED Talks are, are real and they figure out how to get people to extend the life of their uh, telomeres, that's a little thing at the end of your uh, DNA that causes cells to replicate keeps you young. If they learn how to get those to regenerate themselves, you're going to have a whole bunch of 150 year olds walking around. <laughs> uh, it won't be me because I'm not taking that stuff. <laughs> I don't. I have no interest in being around at 150 years old. Well, I guess if I could look like I was 50, yeah, then I might do that. But we are not there yet. <laughs> That'll be a long way. But. Where we are, incidentally, is in a place where when you do get to those ages where you're uh, getting closer to retirement and you want to take out, you want to take off a little bit of the risk, I think that makes perfect sense. Not everybody has to do that. You know, I, I have some people uh, who have an awful lot of pension income coming in that is easily going to cover their basic living expenses, no problem. You know, they'll actually have a bunch of money left over. Great. You know, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can invest poorly. You can invest fantastically. It's not really going to have that big of an impact on your lifestyle. 
But uh, so I just wanted to get that kind of off my chest there. There's no one size fits all for everybody. Um, you, you really need to, to customize your, your own financial plan. Uh, it, it really needs to be custom. And it's not that easy to do um, because just financial decisions are, are generally pretty tough. A lot of information you got to go through. Um, I'll start doing some uh, case studies on future shows. That, that, that's what I'll do. I'll take an example of somebody who is the uh, um, names are all changed to protect the innocent. And uh, actually, I'm not allowed to discuss people's names. But a lot of people have very similar circumstances. And uh, it's helpful oftentimes to hear about what other people that may be doing something that you're doing are doing themselves. That's where I get most of my ideas. I look around. I talk. I listen. And uh, it's interesting. Very interesting. So seeing a whole bunch of stuff. And part of the stuff that I like seeing are economic trends, some trends that can help just about everybody. One of the trends that we're seeing now is a huge rush to get a vaccine done, to be able to get it out there, distributed, and uh, good reason. I mean, unless you just, I don't know, you'd have to live on another planet not to realize what's going on in this world. Yeah, but. People are getting sicker and breaking all the records with the, the COVID thing. So I just wanted to, I found this article that I thought was really interesting and it kind of speaks to that. Not kind of, it does. And this, by the way, is in the November edition of Bloomberg Business Week. And I think there are three, yes, well, it was edited by James Ellis. And let's see, bottom line, Eli Lilly, no, Okay. Written by Robert Langreth, Riley Griffin, and Anna Edney. So I just want to make sure I give them the proper credit. Anyway, here, here it goes. I'm just going to read it to you and then try to stop and give you a couple of uh, interpretations, my own interpretations. And the article is titled The Antibody Underdog. And the first in bold sentence says, Regeneron made headlines. Regeneron is a biotech company. But Eli Lilly bets its COVID drug can help more patients faster. In April, Eli Lilly and company chief executive officer David Ricks made a radical decision. He told U.S. regulators the drug giant would halt production of a colon cancer medicine at a New Jersey plant in order to start making a coronavirus antibody treatment that hadn't even moved into human testing. Well, he must have been uh, pretty sure of that. Anyway. We had no evidence it would work, <laughs> Rick's recalls. He's got a lot of guts. Um, there's the uh, chance favors the bold. That's an old saying. This guy's pretty bold. Anyway, it says, it now sounds slightly crazy, but in the middle of the pandemic, it seemed like the right thing to do. It was an expensive risk. Or, as Rick's puts it, just the kind of unusual maneuver necessary to bring patients a treatment when they need it most. Before a vaccine becomes widely available, any day, Lilly could find out whether that bet has paid off. Both Lilly and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals have, have sought U.S. emergency authorization for the antibody-based treatments for COVID-19 on the strength of promising preliminary trial results. They become some of the highest-profile experimental therapy, uh, therapies since the COVID-stricken President Trump received Regeneron's in October. I want everybody to be given the same treatment as your president, he said on Twitter, just days after receiving, I'm sorry, days after leaving the hospital. 
Don't get old, people. <laughs> the drug companies have just made a lot of it, Trump said, citing Regeneron and Lilly. You're going to get it fast, just like I did. Well, maybe, maybe not. Because even if the U.S. Food and Drug Administration gives the go-ahead tomorrow, every bit of spare capacity will be needed, and it still wouldn't be enough. That's because the monoclonal antibodies, man-made versions of antibodies the body produces, are among the most complicated pharmaceutical products to manufacture, brewed in live cells over a period of months. They're rarely, they've rarely been made at a mass scale needed for a pandemic. The antibodies Lilly, Regeneron, AstraZeneca, and GlaxoSmithKline, with technology, I can say that, are testing among the most promising categories of COVID treatments. Infused into the bloodstream soon after an infection, they may decrease virus levels, lowering the risk for severe complications and possibly providing a bridge until vaccine, vaccines are widely available. This all sounds like pretty good news. And if vaccines prove not to be the silver bullet public health officials are hoping for, demand for antibody treatments could persist indefinitely. So those are two different things, by the way. Anyway, the article goes on and... Uh, Exactly how powerful the antibodies will prove to be remains uncertain. Surprise, surprise. The real value is averting hospitalization. Think about that for a second. These guys, if they can't cure it, but they can reduce the symptoms to the point that people don't have to go to the hospital, that's a really good thing. Think about that. And let's see. On October 26th, government-sponsored trial of the Lilly antibody in hospitalized patients. Hospitalized. You know, I can't, can't say that word. I hope we can cut this out. On October 26th, I can't say anything right now. I'm going to have to cut that whole segment. Anyway, on October 26th, a government-sponsored trial of the antibody treatment was terminated due to lack of uh, efficiency. The failure may not deter the pending FDA authorization, which is focused on high-risk patients with mild to moderate COVID systems. What that just what that means is, even though it didn't work over a, a large number of the people, they think it kind, might reduce symptoms on a certain population of them. So anyway, he says. Uh, Ricks goes on to say, rich nations will pay more for this drug than poor ones. It's charging twelve hundred and fifty dollars per vial. I don't know how many treatments are in a vial, or how big a vial is, but twelve hundred fifty bucks—that's a lot of dough was actually less than some analysts had expected. But Lilly doesn't expect big profits. This is really expensive stuff to manufacture. But I just thought that, uh, I know this doesn't sound as positive as it did when I read it to you, but it is. It's a very positive movement. An antibody treatment that could prevent or in some people, but reduce the, the drastic sickness that you get from getting the, the uh, COVID virus, that, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And you're, you're enabling, you're mobilizing all these companies and all these hospitals and all these people all over the world. That's a, that's a really big deal. And I'm just glad to see that uh, so many companies are working together. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing from my perspective. And if you go on further into this, mag- this is a great magazine, by the way, the, the, uh, Again, it was the November 2nd version of Bloomberg Business Week. And they had a, 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 um, just tons of different articles on 
the stuff that's happening out in the healthcare fields, what that's going to mean to the public. And I'll tell you what it means to me, that there's a lot of money being spent trying to develop these products. They're confident that they're going to get it. It's just a matter of time. That's, that's a good thing. After it gets out, it's going to have to be maintained. And not that that's necessarily a, a great thing, but when you think about it, think about in the past what's happened in the United States. There was this horrible disease called polio. They developed vaccines for it. It didn't happen overnight. They got it, but now polio is uh, greatly reduced, substantially reduced. And that's a, a part now of the economy. We have to be prepared for that. It's part of our economy. Uh, doctors have to learn about it when they go to medical school. They've got to find out what the treatments are. The treatments are still there. We still get vaccinations. You know, there, you think about all the other diseases that have come around that have this type of stuff that's happened. And it's been really, really good for the economy. It's horrible that people have to go through this. And a lot of progress is made, you know, one person at a time, one challenge at a time. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad to see how many companies come and, and countries, the companies within those countries are working together. And that is a really good thing. That's what uh, excites me about the, the current times. You know, everybody's talking about all the bad stuff and they, they, they love to focus on everything bad. And there's an awful lot of good going on in the world right now right now and it's going to get better it's good and it's going to get better now you can actually profit from this as well which i hate to be seem like a shrew and talk about profits on a thing like that but that's that's part of the the overall system you know, you're paid to invest in stuff that has risk in it because they may not they it may take them longer to to reach something that is truly effective they don't know the first time. We know that they won't quit trying. So the investors need to be rewarded for that. That's actually how that works. And in the long run, it's worked wonderfully well. So you've got an issue that a lot of companies are, are working together on. They're cooperating at a level which we have never seen before in the entire world. There are a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it's technology because they can. A lot of what they're sharing, a lot of the knowledge and information they're sharing is because they can quicker than they could in the past. In the past. You've got you know, the uh, communication systems are so much better than they are, so much better than they ever have been. They can share more data quicker than they ever have been able to. So uh, what does that uh, tell me? Well, it tells me that I should probably be looking into the healthcare industries, the companies that like Eli Lilly, like uh, all the big Pfizer uh, hospital systems, people that manufacture equipment. So what's the best way to do that? Well, the best way that I can think of is a model I put together using healthcare funds that I actually use for my clients for a portion of their money. I've got a portion of my money in it. I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't. Okay, And I think it's a really good one. And I look at how it's done in the past. That's not a uh, guarantee that it'll do that well in the future. But you look at it, you look at what's happening right now, Where's the money being spent? Do people really have a choice? You know, I mean, well, you do have a choice. I mean, you could go around and take a whole bunch of risk. Or you could start to use some of the products that are there to try to help us through what we're experiencing right now. And companies that make those products, a lot of those companies are publicly traded. 
So anyway, long story short, I call it my healthcare model. So if you want information on it, I'll be glad to send you a copy of the healthcare model. This is what we use for a portion of the stock money that we're managing for a lot of my clients. Now, in addition to that, actually, how much longer do I have before break? Okay, got about 60 seconds. So I'm going to tell you about the other side of this, of what's happening right now, and how you might be able to, to use that to your benefit uh, as far as your investments go over the next few years. And it might even get, uh, actually, it's doing very well right now. So over the next few years, I think this other category is also going to do well. You've heard me talk about it before if you're a listener, if you're a regular listener. But if you're new, we're going to be talking about the technology model that I'm, I'm rolling out. It's, it's specific to one particular industry. Um, a lot of technological companies that aren't in that industry are also going to benefit. So technology in general is a good place to be looking right now. I hear the music. That means i got to take a commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Broken souls with smiling faces Fighting for surrender From now and the after, yeah Just look around and you see that people Are scared to say how they really feel Oh, we all need a little honesty yeah. You are love And we're back. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Also available, I think it's simulcast on 1220 now. And you can pick it up as a podcast on the Fish's website. And you can also go to Bullington Capital and pick it up as a podcast there or Apple iTunes and iHeart Radio Online. I forget what they call it now. But uh, anyway, we are everywhere. The, uh, and everybody's here heard me stumble all over with my speech this afternoon. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. So yeah, if you have a call or a question, you'd like to talk about your own personal financial uh, position or you have questions for me, just feel free to reach out on my website or give me a call. You can call the office. It's 330-664-0700, 330-664-0700. And I'd be glad to try to get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. There are some really good opportunities, and I've talked about these things for a while. I actually have an investment model that uses uh, funds that should be investing in stocks that are able to um grow their revenues and their profits under the current climate. Uh, and this is not new. Healthcare stocks have been a strong portion of the uh, 
overall stock market for decades. But I think even now, it's got a little bit, the, the next 10 years could be better than the last 20 years because the pandemic, because all the things that are happening and all the growth that that is like forcing through the system. These guys are behind. They're trying to catch up, trying to figure out how much they're going to uh, charge for a lot of this stuff. They're going to try to give breaks to poorer countries, which I think is a good idea, uh, a very good idea. And uh, I'm sure that they'll be paid well to do what they're doing. Um, and, you know, just a good place to, to be looking if you're looking for a place to park a little bit of money over the next 10 years or so, five to 10 years. Um, you know, when I say that, I, I, I just I have these visions. I'm, I'm haunted by visions of people who call up the office and say, well, I want to know what's going up over the next, you know, 18 months. Well, if I could do that, I wouldn't you wouldn't be able to talk to me <laughs> because I'd be flying out into the uh, lower atmosphere in my private personal spacecraft. I would be able to afford a spacecraft if I could do that. <laughs> so uh, over the next 12 months, the, uh, now that, and, and I, I guess I should be, I should change my tone a little bit because some people think that that is actually doable. And, and yeah, I know you've heard me talk about a lot of stocks that went up a lot in a 12 month time period. If you've really listened closely, you've heard me talk about a lot of other stocks that didn't go up at all or went down over a 12-month time period because that's how it works. That's one of the reasons you have to diversify. It's one of the reasons I, I, you know, when Facebook puts those ads out there, the single stock portfolio, I just want to shoot those guys uh, and anybody else. Now, anybody is allowed to buy advertising on anybody's publication. And because we're in America, freedom of speech they're allowed to put it out there. It doesn't mean that, it, that you know, that you should follow that advice. <laughs> you got to be really careful with that. And uh, if you hear something that doesn't sound right, the, uh, call me. I'll tell you pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> so, and, and going back to the, those two sectors, I think those two sectors are, are really good. The other sector that I was talking about, and I've been talking about it on on past shows out of the technology group and, and technology in general, uh, you don't see valuations that are as high as they were when the tech market uh, crashed, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, the valuations are less than half of what they were back then. So do I think it has farther to go? Yeah, I think it's got farther to go. And particularly, I think that the semiconductor space is a, is probably going to go farther than most of them. So I think that's a good idea, and I've got a model for that as well. And we use this in a lot of my investment portfolios. It, those are aggressive by themselves. They're incredibly aggressive. That's why you want to incorporate that into an entire portfolio, into a package. You don't want to take that much risk with your model. Maybe if you're 40, you know, if, if you're 40, yep, I'd say buy the uh, one mid-cap fund, put half the money in it, and then take the other half and split it up between healthcare and semiconductors. There you go. That is a super aggressive, should do very well for a young person who's looking to maximize gains in the market over the next 20 years or so. And uh, it could do very well over the next 12 months. I have no idea. No, neither does anybody else. Nobody knows that. 
You can't predict the short-term future with a high degree of accuracy except by luck. If you keep pushing your luck, you know what happens. So anyway, got to look out over the next five to ten years minimally and take it from that point. Now, if you're not in that group, does that mean you should not have any of it? I don't think so. It just means you should have a smaller portion of that. If it's going to be in good, a good investment, why wouldn't it be just as good for an older person as it is for a younger person just in a smaller amount? Because you don't want that risk popping up or getting too high or too out of control. But should you avoid it completely? I don't think so. Why would you want to avoid that? If, if those are going to do better than the average, why wouldn't you want to have some of your money invested that way? It doesn't have to be a lot. And uh, it's kind of like that old brokering commercial, little dab will do you. <laughs> now I'm really showing my age. <laughs> you know how many people are going to know what that commercial is? You're going to have to YouTube that one. <laughs> You'll see it on YouTube. But the uh, anyway, get a little bit in there. And, and, and by the way, it keeps, your, uh, uh, keeps you happy. You're looking at you know, how things are, are moving up and down. It's, it can be invigor- invigorating. Invigorating means, yeah, you get those happy times and you get those like, oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> that's invigorating. <laughs> now, maybe when you're older, that's why I'm saying you only want to do a little dab of that kind of stuff because a little dab will do you <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> so uh, anyway, those are the two things there. Now, as you do get older, you know, again, we've been talking about this for a couple months now. As you get older and you want to get more secure, you want to get more guarantees, that's when you start looking at like an annuity-type income. By the way, I was looking at several of them. And over the past, well, I'm always looking at several of them. I'm looking at hundreds of them, actually. But as you get older, it, the, the right type of product has got to fit your position. There's no one-size-fits-all here either, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. I get into situations where somebody doesn't have any beneficiaries, and, you know, if you don't have a beneficiary that you need to leave money to, you can get a higher rate of return. They'll pay you more money because when you die, if there's still money left, the insurance company gets to keep it. They're willing to pay you more during your lifetime if you're going to let them keep whatever is left when you pass away. Now, people are thinking, well, who in the heck would do that? Well, I have a bunch of clients who are uh, older and don't have immediate family. They, they live by themselves. Many of them have never been married. Some of them have been married, but their spouses passed a long time ago and they never had kids. So there's, you know, there's something for everybody. And if you, they wanted to uh, maximize the kind of income that they were going to get, that would be one really good option for a portion of their money. So again, there's, there's, there's just no one size fits all. You've got to sit down, take a look at what you're trying to accomplish and what are the, what are the uh, probabilities that you can do that. Now, that's the kind of conversation you probably should have, by the way, when you're right out of college. Why do I say right out of college? Well, because the sooner you get started on that kind of stuff, the easier it is. You start waiting until you're in your 40s and 50s and it gets a lot harder you start waiting until you're in your 60s and you're probably going to have to you know, plan on working an awful lot unless you win the lottery. 
Um, so it's tough. You know, life is life is really tough. And uh, get the earlier. By the way, the earlier you start, the more mistakes you can make. You start investing in your mid twenties, early thirties, and invest ten percent of your paycheck, which you should be doing at that stage. Incidentally, because it's pre-tax money, it's probably only going to cost you seven or eight percent of your paycheck, but you get the whole ten percent invested. That's another topic that we'll talk about on a future show. But if you get started early, you've got a long time, much longer time, and time is a boy that you can't. Time is the one thing when you spend it, you cannot get that back. You spend it, it's gone. You can make more money. You could try to invest a little more aggressively to try to make more money that way. You can go back to work, take a, another job or produce more in your sales job and try to increase your income that way. Not easy to do either, but you can't get back that time. Once you spend that time, it's gone. And uh, that's something I wish somebody had uh, told me about when I was younger. I'm not sure I would have listened, you know, because I, I do talk to a lot of younger people today and uh, seems to go into one ear and right out the other. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Anyway, I, I, I'm getting the nod that I've only got about 60 seconds. I do want to tell you that, that things actually things are picking up. Things are looking good. There are areas that you can invest that are going to be good. There are areas that you can invest in if you want to guarantee that look a lot better than the 1% CD you're staring at at most of the banks. Most, By the way, that 1% rate is a teaser rate. After six months, it's going down to half a percent. <laughs> so you got to watch for that. There are alternatives to having to do that. So if you want to learn more about them, just go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. You can call me, 330-664-0700. I hear the music. That means the show is over. So have a good week, everybody. Good investing, and good luck. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.